between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. to you. Praise God. Can please say good morning to someone? Say I'm happy to see you this morning. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, let's see. of Hebrews chapter Hebrews chapter 8 Amen Hebrews 8 verse verse 10 let us say Amen says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord, amen, that I will put my laws into their minds and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a what? A people. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me what? They shall be to me a people. Praise the Lord. Uh, now, the covenant, when it says covenant, the covenant is the testimony which the Lord will write. Let's see Second Corinthians chapter 3. Second Corinthians three. Praise God. Uh, verse one. It says that do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we as some others epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? Uh, you are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Praise God. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the word, spirit of the word, living God, not in tables of stone, but in what? Fleshy tables of where? Of the heart. Amen. So when he says, I will put my laws in their mind, I will write it on their heart. Is talking about the what 
he will write upon the heart with the spirit, the spirit of God, which is the making the writing of the, of the law in the heart is the making of covenant with man. So, and it's similar to what happened in the wilderness. In the wilderness, God could not make covenant with men. Rather, he made, wrote the covenant on a stone. It's actually a covenant with stones. Uh, amen. I, 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 uh, it's not surprising to me now why Jesus would say, if men don't worship me, I can raise stones. Or why God would say that. Um, he can raise stones because he already has a covenant with stones that they've been keeping for a long time, which men do not have. Amen. But um, anyway, that's just by the size. Of course, stones cannot worship. I mean, well, if he said it, maybe they can. But um, you know what I mean? What I mean is that worship is, the, is as a result of what is written in the heart. So if the covenant is soul that has not entered covenant with God, cannot be a worshiper of God. It will take the covenant of, that God has written on the heart that to release worship unto God. Amen. Now, when he says, I will then be their peop- a God to them, and they shall be, let's see that Hebrews again. Hebrews chapter 1. Chapter, sorry, chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. So he said, I will be to them a God, right? And they shall be to me a people. And it's very clear that the purpose of a people is to, is to worship God. Like um, when Moses came to Egypt and he told him, God told him to tell Pharaoh, let my people go that they might come and what? and serve me or come and worship me. And so the reason for a people is to, people of God, is people who can worship God. Now you saw when they came out of the wilderness, they were journeying to a place where worship can begin. And of course that was why there was, before worship could begin, there had to be first the giving of the testament on the Mount of Sinai, right? So to arrive at their destination of worship, they had to come and receive the word, the testament from God. God had to come down from heaven and give the testimony. So the testament given to a man or to a person is for the purpose of worshiping of God. Now the what is contained in the testament is for the will of God. Now the will of God is how, like we said before, you cannot worship God based on your own will or based on your own decision. It's not up to you what you do to God or what you do for God. There has to be a revelation of what God wants, right, before worship can go up to him from your heart. So the quality of a worshiper is based on um, how much... Jesus put it this way in um, John chapter 4. He said that the time is coming and now is when true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Therefore, the Father seeketh such to worship him. Praise God. That word spirit and in truth. The word truth is actually, truth means will, exactness 
of will. So to, to worship in spirit and in truth means, to worship truth means exactly, right? Not in this mountain or in the other one will men worship me, but time has come when man will learn to worship in where? In spirit and where? And in truth. Praise God. So that aspect of the truth aspect of the soul coming accurately into um, into worship. That's where the battle, the battle for the, the battle for, of the soul, the fight over the soul. Every soul has a war over them. There's this, the war going over every soul, and it's a war concerning the perfection of worship, right? God wants to receive worship from man, but the level has put all these things around man to make sure that even if man is, tries to worship God, that the worship will not be in spirit and in word truth. Praise God. And how will he do it? He has to, the devil will stop the process through which, through which God wants to deliver the material for worship to man. He will stop the process through which God wants to do what? God wants to deliver the accurate, the accurate worship, the means of accurate worship of God. And so that's why any soul who has the, the, the testimony of God or the covenant of God is a dangerous soul on the earth. By, by virtue now, what we call spiritual warfare, a lot of times is not spiritual warfare. Because to war against spirit means to war against the agenda of spirits. What are spirits doing? What is the agenda upon the earth? And if you are not living in such a way that you are touching, you are, you are tampering with their agenda, you are not, you are not waging war against, the, against spirits. Praise God. Now, the main war that his soul needs to fight against evil spirit is the war of holding in you the exactness, the correctness of the, of the worship of God. Praise the Lord. To hold the, the exactness, the correctness of what? The pattern or the pattern of the will. The will of how men ought to do what? Ought to worship God. Praise the Lord. Now, in, let's go to the book of Revelation a bit. Um, I think we, we were, we've been there for a long time and we, we looked at a few things in Revelation, um, but I, I just want us to see that uh, Revelation chapter, chapter 11, we saw in chapter 13 already um, about the lamb. Let's see that, let's read chapter 13, verse, verse 7, chapter 13, verse 7, it says that, and it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not what? Written in the word, book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. So all who are not written in this book, they will, they will all be worshippers. So they are dividing the earth into two categories of people, Right? Those people who have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life and those who don't have their names written. Now, they are all worshippers. But those whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, they will worship the word. They will, 
be partakers eventually of the worship which this beast is trying to, the investment of darkness on the earth over time is to create people who can worship outside the book of life. Praise God. And it's an interesting thing, the way the Bible is written, you won't see the book, the devil's book of death. You won't see anything like that. The, the dragon's book of death or the beast's book of death. That is the, there's a way they, read, they wrote it that way to show you that it's not really like that. It's not a matter of doing something to enter inside the, de- the, the, lamb, the devil or the, the dragon or the beast's book of death. It's not really about doing something for that. It's more about um, if you don't do some things, you naturally flow into that. Uh, the natural trajectory of men, that if men leave themselves just the way they are and exist on the earth, they are, they are being prepared. The virtue of the life of the earth, the corrupt life of the earth, is a trainer of men. The, and no soul can escape. You can delude yourself to say, no, I don't want, I'm just, I just want my simple existence. There's nothing like simple existence. This world is a trainer of worshippers. Amen. Amen. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So he says that, so it means that everybody must do what they need to, to do to make sure that their name is written inside where? This Lamb's book. I would say that the Lamb's book of life is a Lamb, is a, is a book of names. Book of names is a book of nature. That they would check you, check you, what nature is inside you. They will read the nature, or oh, this nature is equal to this. Okay, check all the book of life of the Lamb. Can you find that nature inside this book? They check, and they don't see the nature there. They know who you are. Are you getting what I'm saying? So your name written inside that book is talking about how, how does a man use his life on the earth to be transformed into an inheritance of nature that is found within the book. Are you seeing that? So it's, it's clear that the book must be open. That book of life, the, every book of life is a book of covenant. Amen. Every book of what life is what is a book of covenant or a group book of agreement. Is a book. Every book of life is a book of blood, because life is in blood. In the blood, praise the Lord. So the Lamb's book of life is actually the is the book of the testimony of the life which the Lamb lives. Is the book of the testimony of what? of the life, or is the book of the record of the life of who? Of the Lamb. And it's very clear that it's also the book of worshippers, too. Amen. It's the book of what? Worshippers. So everybody who will worship God, or is the book of worshippers, you can say it that way. You can also call it the book of the people of God. The people who of course, the people of God are the people who have become worshippers of God. And these people, that they are those who, everybody who is a people of God, are people who have found their names, what, written into where? The Lamb's Book of Life. Praise the Lord. Are you seeing that? Amen. Now, these people who are in the Lamb's Book of Life, who are worshippers of God, we've, we've looked at them a lot in the scripture. We've seen their trajectory that they are the followers of the Lamb, chapter 14, right, where you see them upon the mountain. 
for those who follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These are those who are redeemed from the earth, who in their mouth is found no guile. Praise the Lord. They are not defiled with women. And all of that, that's what women is actually talking about. The, the women are, is the world, right? The women are the world or the women are the, in the book of Revelation chapter 17, mother of harlots. That woman herself who is called the world, she's a mother of harlots. Who are those harlots? Those harlots are the women who pollute the souls of men upon the earth. Or those harlots are the, the spirits of defilement. Praise the Lord. The spirits of what? Of defilement upon the earth. So this woman, this, this people in chapter 14 say they, are, they were not defiled with women for they are virgins. So the, such people are, are virgin souls, praise God, who have now been raised from among the earth to do what? To follow the Lamb. We saw them also in chapter 12. In chapter 12, we saw it as them as the man-child company who came out, praise God, of the, they came out of the woman and, then, and said the woman is who? The woman is the church, praise God. Now, they had to put, they had to put her in the church for receiving the, what I'm saying is not complex, right? It's very simple. Very, you, we have, we've learned all these things. Okay, praise God. So, because <laughs> every time I want to open the Bible, like, there's something that just talks to me. Hey, him, he said I went to Hebrew. I saw Revelation. I said, Kai, it's a revelation. They will say this guy has come again. Let's go to Hebrews first. <laughs> but you guys are not like that in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't worry. I know, it's not you. I know you're not like that. I know it's a spirit talking to me. So, I'm not, praise God. It's just that every time I need to minister, I need to war first with spirits for the first few minutes. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Is he okay? <laughs> Before the message can start, amen. So, let me find where this thing is. Praise God, okay. Yeah, so, so, so it's very clear that the woman, um, the man-child was raised inside the woman, right? And, and it's very clear that the, there's one thing about how a child grows in the womb. Mm, there's a way that a child grows inside the womb. The child grows in the womb by receiving things from the mother. The mother is like the, is like the carrier of the child. Is the, she's the carrier of the child. She's also the feeder of the child. She's the, she's the one who carries the child, who nurtures the child inwardly in the womb. She's the one who is feeding the child. But there's something about the womb that is a, is a strange thing. It's a world, a separated world. That is, you see, somehow inside the woman, the child is receiving things from the woman. But the child's own bloodstream is entirely separate from the stream of the mother. You're talking about difference in life stream. You can see another, a foreign life inside another life. They are not mixing, but it's a means by which nutrition can happen. That's going to be the relationship between this company of worshippers and general just Christians who are not concerned about the worship of God. Do you understand what I mean? That's one of also the reasons why 
a Christian cannot say, oh, I'm learning the worship of God, so I don't need everybody else. Like, all the other, all the, there's something, the other guys who you think, you think they are playing, if they remove all of them, you are in, problem, you are in trouble. <laughs> you understand what I mean? If you remove all of them, what? There are things they are doing for you that you don't know. The reason why you have space to journey into the knowledge of service, to think about the testimony and think about those things is because, is because, of, the, because of the house called the church. And to make that house what it is, that's taking centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries and all kinds of investment of heaven to, to raise the woman up. A woman who can bear what? Who can bear a child, a child that is destined for, for where? For the what? For the throne of God. Praise the Lord. Now in chapter, chapter 12 of Revelation, the end of chapter 11 of Revelation, let's, let's read that too. To see chapter 11 and chapter 12 are, are speaking concerning the same thing. That chapter 11, the end of chapter 11, it says that, and the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament, and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. Praise God. Now, so when the temple was opened in heaven, then there was seen in his temple the Ark of the Testament. Now, the temple being opened, seen in the temple the Ark of the Testament, like is the same, is the same revelation of the woman giving birth and, and her child coming out of the womb. Praise God. Now, you say, how? That's what we've been teaching since. You know what I mean? What we've been teaching since is that the, this company is a company of the testimony. It's a worshipping company. Or in chapter 7, they call them the servants of God. Right? Let's see the servants of God. What are the servants of God? They are, the, they are the, the, the people who are to serve God. Are you seeing that? The people who are to serve God are people who have received all the testimony of God. You see that? So the, the, the people of the testimony coming out of what you, call, what you can call it the church, in a sense, the church um, is, the purpose of the church is to create a tabernacle or temple experience, right? To create a what? Temple experience. But we're not talking about the church, it's not the building, Rather, the church, of course, are the people aha, inside the church. So the, the church, through, of course, through doctrine, through teaching, and all of that, will produce, should be able to erect a temple. Through teaching and teaching, as you're teaching, you see the way Moses was building a temple, he received instruction from the Lord, he received the pattern from the Lord, and then he began to give instruction to the people. Build this, give the measurement, build the rod here, Build this drape here, build this table here. Carpentry was going on, textile was going on. Those who were doing metal work, all of those things were going on. And eventually, the the, the tabernacle was what being built, uh, being raised. That's how it is right now in the New Testament. It's just that through the way the tabernacle has been built is being built by teaching, and by what 
by preaching, by teaching and by preaching. So by teaching and by preaching, we are raising a temple. Where a temple where that would produce worshippers. When you look at the temple, it looks like a place that people go into. But really, it's actually a place that people come out from. It's, it's really to, to produce people because you now see when temple has finished doing all his work, no need for temple anymore. In the book of Revelation chapter 21, and you saw the city, there's no temple therein because God himself and the Lamb were the temple of the city. Are you seeing that? So it means that, to be honest, real worship, the worship that happens on the earth, a lot of, mainly is training of worship. There is, the, there is the learning worshiper. Then there is the reigning worshiper. There is both worship, but at different level. There is a learning worshiper that's learning how to worship, which is the, the then there is the worshiper, who's, and the reign of worship will not just end here. It will start here in this world, of course. But, the, but after this world is gone, and the world to come comes, that will be a world of reigning of worshippers who are constantly, they worship him day and night. They will not tire from worshiping God. Why? Because of their, their product of the, the house of God or of the tabernacle of God. Praise the Lord. If you read the book of Leviticus, if you read Exodus, and you read Leviticus, and when they begin to describe the, the way, you know, in Leviticus, amen, in, they describe the building of the house in Exodus, right? In Leviticus, God spoke a lot concerning the ordinances of the house. The ordinances of the house include the the making of beings who will be users of the house. Or it details the making of priests. And part of the making of priests is the process of access of the priest. Praise the Lord. Is that when you take a raw son of Aaron and you want to bring him and make him an entity who have access into the holy place, the Lord began to tell them what you need to do to him. When it's time for him to come in, you have to change his garment, put a new garment upon him. You have to wash his body with water there. You have to pour oil upon him. Are you getting what I'm saying? And then, and, then, and then you have to pray for him. He has to bring his own offering. Amen. And that, those things have to be offered for entrance. You see the one for a priest. And you see the one for a high priest. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So you see they use the house. You, they, you bring an ordinary man. Then when you bring an ordinary man, they use the house and its ordinances change the man. And like Aaron, when the Moses follows all that process from Aaron, Aaron could now come out a different man than the, than the first man who came. He's now a high priest. He's a high priest. So when Aaron comes out, Aaron has become a product of the temple or a product of the tabernacle. Are you getting what I'm saying? And that, that Aaron is a different kind of being. You know, Aaron's it's not all Aaron's work and ministry that is inside the tabernacle. There are sometimes some things will happen. They have to send him into the camp. For example, if there's someone who is leprous in the camp and they suspect, ah, watch this person, look at his skin. Why is there leprosy? What's going on? It looks like this might be leprosy. They said that the eyes to discern the leprous was not given to the common man. 
It takes only the high priest who can tell. So everybody has to stay away from the person. They will go and call Aaron. And he has to come and use his own sight. And of course, that, that was a nat- leprosy is a physical thing, but it's a type for leprosy is a type of sin, right, of the soul. So you see that the, the work of the house, even though the house seems like where is where people come to, it's, it's, for, it's also a, a house of commerce where men journey to, but the house is also a producer of men. Do you understand what I mean? So men have to journey to the house to pass through the house, pass through the phases. That's the way God designed it, pass through everything, the ordinance, everything concerning the house, and then when the house has finished making his soul, the soul, the house is a product of a servant of God. Who, is a serv- who does the house produce is a, a person who has been, who is an inheritor of the testimony of God. Are you seeing, are you getting the sense? Praise the Lord. Uh-huh. So, so testimony. testimony. Uh-huh. So just, I just want to show you that testimony is something that you need to have. Um, do you agree with me? Okay, let's see. Revelation chapter 11. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Revelation 11. From verse 1, it says, And there was given me a reed, like unto a rod, and the angels stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, and the altar, and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, live out, and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread under foot forty and two months. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days, clothed in what? Sackcloth. Praise God. Uh, these are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before who? The God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceeded out of their mouth and devoured their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be what? Be killed. Praise God. These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy and have power over waters to turn them to blood. Thank you, Jesus and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beasts that ascended out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the, city of the, great, in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and kindred and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies the three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt where on the earth. And after three days... And half and an half, the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. 
And he heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And he ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies what? Beheld them. Praise God. Amen. Now, you see this, these two witnesses. You say two witnesses? Okay, verse 11. There was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angels stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar, and them that worship therein. Now, the, the temple and the altar and them that worship therein, these people, this thing here is what the beast in verse verse 13 was blaspheming against. Am I correct? In verse 5, chapter 13, verse 5, says, And there was given unto me a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that do what? Dwell therein. Praise God. There was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies and power was given unto him to continue Forty and two months. Power was given unto him to continue what? Forty and two months. If you go to chapter 11. Back to chapter 11. Praise God. He said, I was giving me a read like unto a rod. And the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. Verse 2. But the court which is without the temple, live out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and what? Two months. Praise God. Then I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days, clothed in sackcloth. Now, a thousand two hundred and three score days is the same thing as forty and two months. It's the uh, same three and a half years. Right? It's three and a half years, it's forty and two months, a thousand two hundred and three score t- days. They are the same thing. R- right? So here he's separating two seasons in chapter eleven. They are speaking about two seasons here. The first season is the season um, of is a, is a first, the first season is a season of an assault against the court of the temple. Praise God. The court of what? The temple. The court of the temple is a, he said it's given unto the Gentiles here, right? What is the Gentile? The Gentiles is given unto the Gentiles. He's talking about the aspect of the aspect of when you think of the temple, the temple is, like I said, the house that's supposed to produce servants of God, right? So the Gentiles overcoming an aspect of it is talking about the aspect of that building that the Gentile life is able to overcome. 
an aspect of the building that the Gentile life is able to do what? To overcome. So I want you to think about the temple as a place of habitation. We saw that they put different kind of souls around the tabernacle. You have the soul of the Levites on the outer court. Then Levitical souls are outer court or court souls. Priestly soul is sanctuary soul. High priestly soul is most holy kind of soul. So the, the, when he said Gentiles have taken out over the court, he's saying that the conversation of the Gentiles could come into the court and defeat the conversation of a Levitical soul. So if a soul, if all the stature of a soul is just the, what, what the, the Levite have, praise God, if that's all the stature of the soul, means the soul hasn't grown in God to a point where they are, they are more equipped spiritually than who a Levite is equal to in the spirit, that the, the conversation of just a, who is a Gentile? A Gentile is just an average natural person who has fellowship with the world. Right? Somebody who has fellowship with the world and who has worldly wine to a level. That's a Gentile. The Gentiles are drunk nations, nations who have who had no defense against the wine of the woman, right? Who seated upon many waters in chapter 17. And the waters upon which she seated are many peoples and maybe what tribes and many what nations and all of that. So this woman, there are people who have been sat upon to a degree by the woman. Praise the Lord. Uh, so those nations, so there's a, a conversation that they have that when they begin to invade the a soul, and if an ah, this soul is just a Levite. There's, there are things they can say concerning. So and a Levite is not a, a small kind of person. It's not every Christian who is a Levite. Same way, it's not every Israel who is a Levite. Praise the Lord. So a Levite, a Levite spiritually, is somebody who has gained separation from the general conversation, who has come around the business of the tabernacle, and who has begun to learn the first life of the tabernacle. Amen. The Levites are those who have learned what? The first life of what? The tabernacle. The first life of the tabernacle are souls who have obeyed what they refer in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 as come out from among them and be ye what? Separate, said the Lord. So those who have come out from the multitude of Israel and have come measure the separation is something that the word of righteousness will do. You hear the word and hear the word till you begin to see a separation between just living naturally as a Christian and then begin to live, live for the will. The first the separation is the, is the, is the, is the level of, of separation is the first consciousness of the will. The first conscious, if you want to, to narrow it down inside his soul, who is a separated Christian? Who is a separated Christian? A separated Christian is a, is a Christian 
who has the first, the first inkling or knowledge concerning, who, concerning the will of God. Praise the Lord. Or a Levite is a Christian who, have, who has the first concept of sacrificing to God. The first, the other things are higher than sacrificing concerning the will of, of sacrifices concerning the will of God. Are you getting me? But in terms of there are things that, that, that matter to particular holinesses concerning the nature of God, which will be taught later on in priesthood. But the first, a Levite is somebody who has the concept of sacrificing something in their life for God. That's what you make, that's who a Levite is. Somebody, a Levite is somebody who has given up something. Or who has given up, or a Levite is somebody who has changed, who has switched profession. Who, it doesn't mean they've learned anything, it doesn't mean they, they've mastered anything, it doesn't mean they are experts at serving God. It's just that they're just guys who have just switched profession. What profession did they switch? They switched their profession from the natural profession they stamp on every baby that comes inside the world. Once the baby is born, we are celebrating in the hospital. They wash the baby. Oh, is it a boy or a girl now? Nice hair. I remember my daughter's hair when they give it to her, everything. At that, at that level, they already stamped a profession on, profession on her. We didn't know, we didn't know maybe when the spirit came. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the work, the work to make her change profession is already ongoing by God's grace. And it's not a serious job. That one day she will look at that thing and say, no, I'm not going to do that thing. I'm going to do something else. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? But I'm saying that there's a default profession upon the earth for men. A default profession. Is, that profession is the profession of man's allegiance to corruption. Man's allegiance to the natural life. To think only concerning things that will expire on the earth. Do you understand that? Aha. So a Levite, a Levite is somebody who has gained consciousness of another profession. Oh, there's something else. Okay, let's go. They measure separation. They measure separation, separation, separation. Separated people, they don't necessarily, they have not necessarily stopped, their, removed their uncleanness, so to speak. They've not necessarily dealt with their uncleanness yet. But when the word of, of Christ begins to come to a soul, the first demand that it will give to a soul is, Measure is separation. Measure. And I've seen souls who never did that. Never did that. And when school of the oracle is changing to begin to talk about more sanctified things, they will still stay there and be listening to it. But when you check their life, they never measure separation. Do you understand what I mean? Now, you see, a soul that never measures separation, and they are around the word of righteousness, you can tell the world will still be calling them. Sometimes they can say, hey, bye-bye, I'm coming. They will just go back and do some. They will, do, they will be a Gentile for some time. And then they will just enjoy Gentile. And when you see them in the Gentile world, they are in their element. Flow. When you see a soul that has not measured separation, you still, they still have a Gentile tongue. The soul still has what? The soul still has a Gentile tongue. What is a Gentile tongue? 
A, a Gentile tongue or a Gentile soul is a soul whose conversation is about all the things which the Gentiles seek. According to Matthew chapter 6, Jesus explained to us what it is about Gentiles. Right? He was saying that you should take no thought for your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, and what you wear. And all, we say, after all these things do the Gentiles seek. <laughs> but you think you take, seek you first the kingdom. So it's very clear that who a Levite is, a Levite is a person who has begun the profession of seeking the kingdom. That's just, it doesn't mean they've gotten it really yet. But they've entered the profession of seeking the kingdom. They've, are you getting what I'm saying? That they, they, have, they have a value. When you check in them, there has been imported a value structure concerning the things of the kingdom. But a Christian who has a Gentile soul is one, when you check in his heart, this seek, what he seeks for are all the things which the Gentile seeks for. That's, very, that's just a clear definition. And when you have that sense, you can tell Gentile, 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 ah, Levitical or priestly. You just begin to see souls and you can separate them in their different order through their conversation. When it is so, changes conversation, and I've seen it happen many, 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 many times. Many of you have done that. It's just so clear. Something just happens. You just see. It's so, it's clear. It's very clear a lot of times. It's very clear. It's because of that thing called separation. It's not a small thing. A journey. They pull a soul from one area. When a soul has been separated, he doesn't know what in his father's farm or his friend's parents' farm. He doesn't know what they're doing there. He doesn't know what's happening in the marketplace. He doesn't know what stock is the hot stock right now. What, what business is there? He doesn't know those things. Because it's not, it's not that the appetite for those things has been dealt with in him. It's not that they've removed the love for those things. It's just that he has left the vicinity of the care of those things. That is what you call separation. Do you see that? Aha. Uh-huh. So, a soul who has not experienced separation, and you want to begin to teach them priestly things, you will have a problem. You have a serious problem on your hand. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So, separation, a Levite, a Levitical soul is a soul that has value for the kingdom. Um, is a soul that has, that has the concept of a, a higher dominion than the dominion upon the earth which men are born into and which men are using. Do you see that? But the thing with that, just staying in that place as a Levite in the spirit is that because of uncleanness, because of what? Uncleanness. There will be a time when Gentiles begin to come to the temple. This is the season, the season of the trajectory of, of like we've been discussing about how the, the earth has been what going, men's life on the earth. As iniquities are bounding, men become bolder with things. Praise God. Do you see worldly soul who sit a from afar before? Hey, 
place is too holy for me, man. You guys should go and do your separated thing there. Let's just focus on our stuff. After a while, they will expand their marketplace. They will expand all this, this, the, thing, the things they are doing. Then they will now be look, look at the temple. Can we still, is there a way we can get this thing to go? That is, by the time iniquity has abounded for a very long time, you see, you now have worldliness with a kick behind it. It's not just ordinary worldliness. It's worldliness with a boldness behind it. You see, different kind of worldly soul. You know, before, a worldly man doesn't like holy things. It makes him scared. Just please, ah, I'm not ready for this now. Let me just do my worldliness. But in the time of the end, which is the time of the woman fornicating with nations, because that woman is not only purple, she also has scarlet. Scarlet is the beastly color. It's the color of the nature of destruction. Are you getting what I'm saying? So you begin to see a different kind of Gentile soul that can be interested in what is happening inside the tabernacle. And say, they will say, can we extend our marketplace to that place? Can we extend our negotiation, our marketplace, our marketing and all that? They will begin, after a while, all those worldly guys used to be afraid of the tabernacle, will begin to see Levites as potential business partners. They will begin to see, is there a way we can, these guys, yeah, yeah, how they will now manufacture, it's just, we just need to figure out what to sell to them. They don't wear party clothes, so they won't buy party clothes. But, you see that Levitical robe, there's a way we can sew it, there's a way we can do it and bring it to them. At, you know the Levitical garment that God told Moses for them to sew? They can add a few things to it. Just not too much. Don't spoil it too much. Let it still be white and everything. Just do something to the edge. Do some, add, it, add some swag to it. And then bring it to a Levite. I'm just giving you, these are all, I'm just giving you metaphors, right, of what happened to the soul. That's why there will be a time where just being separated is not, it's not safe enough. You have to measure journey that is higher than the level of iniquity in your present day. You have to measure a journey that is what higher than, you don't have forever to just stay anywhere. Because as the revelation is coming, as the book is being opened, knowledge is increasing on the earth. As long as knowledge is increasing, also iniquity. The mystery of iniquity doth already walk. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. So there will be a time in this, in, in this place. Let's read here again, chapter 11. Amen. Praise the Lord. So it says, verse 2. It says, but the court which is without the temple, leave out. So this is, verse 11 is a time of, sorry, this chapter is a season of measurement. Right? It's trying to, you know, the way the Bible is, is when they bring a chapter, a chapter is zooming into it. It's like a, it's like a drama they're acting for you. But you say, act one, scene two. Act one, scene two. Now, if you came to act, act one, one, 
in a, maybe at once in one, maybe the temple is still fully intact. So the measurement of the temple in Act 1, scene 1, will be a different measurement when you come to Act 1, scene 2, to measure it. So it means at this point, the temple is in another state because some things have happened to it. Are you seeing the scripture? So when you read the Bible here, what they are talking about, it's not just talking about the full picture of the tabernacle. They are talking about a tabernacle that has experienced some, some hazard, some encroachment to it. Because, because there's something that this chapter wants to extray and it wants to bring out, it wants to bring out a hidden strength within the tabernacle. And that strength has to be known because so that men can acquire it. Praise God. So that men can do what? Can, can acquire it. Praise God. But for, to begin to unveil that strength, it, it shouldn't be a closed tabernacle. It should be a tabernacle that has been warred against. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Aha. Uh-huh. So, open up your mind a little bit to see, what, to see this thing. Now, they say that the, the court, which is without the temple, leave us. After they measured it, they said, don't measure the court. So, this measurement is measuring without the court, but it's talking about measuring the inward part. So, if you take out the court... Of course, the court, not just the court, but the city. The, 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 the court and the city leave out, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city they shall tread underfoot 40 and 2 months. So this 40 and 2 months is time it will, ta- it will take them. This is soul timing. It's not just years and numbers. It's talking about soul timing. So 40 and 2 months is a time, it's a prophetic time. You will see the same number in the book of Daniel. You see the same number later on in chapter 13. It's actually a timing. It's talking about the time, how they calibrate the division of a soul. It's a, a temple soul. If you raise a full temple soul and then they want to conquer that temple, how much time will it take to fully take over a temple of a man? Do you understand that? Yes, uh-huh. So it's not time in terms of months and days and hours and months and all that. It's time. It's just telling you that that word time, you can then translate time or convert time into another measure. means what power of darkness, right, it would take forward to conquer and to cause that kind of thing to occur. Now, if you're seeing 40 and 2 months, first 40 and 2 months, the second 40 and 2 months, the, first 40, the second 40 and 2 months is, is concerning the remainder of the temple that has the sanctuary and the most holy place. Right? The first 40 and 2 months it talks about the time it took to take over the entire holy city and the courts of the temple. So that will tell you the power of the sanctuary and the holy place. That's a tiny place. Is you can almost equate it to all the resistance of the entire city 
and the court. That's the sense they're trying to give you here. Are you seeing that? Mm-hmm. Now you say, what is the meaning of entire city and courts? How does that relate to me as a person? Praise the Lord. What, what they're talking about here is the, every, every person who is born again is born into the city. Do you agree? Anybody who is a Christian, you are born into the city. You're born into the city. So it means that every, every kind of righteousness you, be, or you begin to pick up as a Christian are part of the defenses of the city. Every righteousness you pick up as a Christian are what? Part of the defenses of the city. So it means that somebody who is born again has some more defense against darkness. Who has, as, long, as long as you've measured any, some time inside the church, you'll find out that there will be some things inside of you that is some degree of defense against darkness that someone who's an unbeliever might not have. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So that whole city is, is talking about you find masses of people and different kind of defenses in that place. But the strength of the defense is not too much. Because when a soul has acquired that defense and has also acquired the, the Levitical defenses, which is the defense of separation. Means that there are things that a Gentile will talk to a normal Christian with, and it will be as if it's their normal language. It's not, you don't have to convince them too much to break some standard, do some things. They flow with the world. Just see, a regular Christian flows with the world. He doesn't have a problem flowing with the world. So it means that the world, a Gentile conversation, doesn't need to invest too much energy to, to win over just a Christian because they think in the same terms almost. Buying house, buying car, paying school fees, taking care of your family, what you wear, what you see. After all these things which the Gentiles seek, are you getting what I'm saying? So when they, when they just come and talk, they attain Oh, okay, that thing, yeah, 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 yeah. The only thing is that the Gentile does it and also, when it's time to go about it, when the, the Gentiles say we have a means to get it, the Christian will say, yeah, let me just pray about it, I'm, I'm, I'm coming. His own, because the Christian has his own way of getting it, which is he has a, his own faith, faith in the Lord Jesus. So it's just that, you see that dependency of in Jesus' name has something. It's, it's actually a layer of some safety, of some sort, Faith is, is a defense. It is still, better than the full Gentile who goes about the same thing but without faith at all. So you see, the faith of the person who just wakes up and prays in the morning, Lord Jesus, thank you for the food we eat today. Thank you for everything. Thank you for my work today. Amen. When the salary comes, oh, Father, we thank you for this. We thank you for this. this the next month paycheck will be greater than this in Jesus' name. 
Why? Because he's expecting a promotion or something. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Are you, you, you can, because when you have knowledge, you will, you will downplay that thing. I say, ah, this is, ah, you know, uh, well, that's, not, that's not where it is, you know. It's not about all those things. You know, forget about the money, the paycheck, you know. They are called, what you call holy things. But you can, you can downplay somebody who does that. But you, you were like that before. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Just the fact that you can look to God to provide those things has some degree of, of safety in it. What is the safety? It's the safety for the heart. This, uh, the safety for the heart in that the heart will not get too abused. Because in do, getting those things, there's still some degree of expectation from God. Faith preserves the heart. Or faith washes the heart. If someone who does things without faith, it, he hazards his own heart and his own soul. But someone who does things and, and with faith, there's something that faith adds some value because faith brings some degree of life to the heart. It makes the faith of, towards God or the faith in the Lord Jesus is a preservative layer upon the heart. It doesn't mean that the heart can't get bad, but it reduces the level of or the speed of corruption. So somebody who gets things in Jesus' name by faith will be getting corrupt slower than somebody who just goes out and does what he wants and doesn't care about, it, about Jesus or the name of Jesus. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that's in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Even, even though the, the object of the affection of the person is still material and corruptible, but the fact that they, uh, they, use, they have what you call faith in the Lord Jesus, and they have what you call love for all the saints, faith in the Lord Jesus and love for all the saints are the safety of the city. You see that? The safety of the city. Praise the Lord. So such a person who has faith in the Lord Jesus and love for the saints, they, are not, they will not be... They will not be be getting corrupted at the same pace with somebody else who doesn't have that at all. Even though they transact in the same lust. Right? The same lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, lust of the pride of life that the Gentiles transact in. The Christian who has no separation transact in the same lust. They seek after the same thing. The same thing the Gentiles seek, but there's something else that they have, which is a little bit of a uh-huh. Praise the Lord. So you see the city, the time it took to overcome the city and the court, it took some time. But they now got to that place, and he said, now it's been taken, given to the Gentiles 40 and 2 months, but now measure what is left. Let us measure what is left. So if you've taken the city and the courts, right? Think about the tabernacle as some, something in the center of the city. You took the whole city. Then you are getting to the tabernacle. You first get to the court. They also took the court because when they got to the court, they found people who don't only use in Jesus' name, praise God, who have faith in the Lord Jesus and love for all the saints. They found people who have 
a concept of another kind of preservation, which is another kind of faith. The difference between a Christian who has a gentle conversation, which is a kind of Christian in the city, and a Levite who has major separation, the difference between them is change of faith. And it's not trivial. Change of faith. That's change of faith. Oh my God, if you know what that thing is. Change of faith. How do you, how do you, what's the meaning of change of faith? What changed faith? What faith? How did the faith change? What is the difference in the faith? The difference is that the person who is a Christian who has not yet measured separation, of course, who is somebody who is not yet gaining trans into the kingdom, that person, what the faith they have is their faith in the Lord Jesus. It is their faith. It is in the Lord Jesus, but it's their faith. Is the fate of the natural man. It means that there is nothing that they have. Now, a lot of those so-called Gentiles have the same fate somewhere inside their heart. Just natural fate that they have. Unbelievers are not void of fate. Do you think, do you think they are void of fate entirely? That there's no faith at all, at all in an unbeliever. The ones he gives left to Christ, faith just came. <laughs> no, no, no. They have faith. Every person has faith. Cornelius had faith when he was an unbeliever. You were pointing out to me the other time. He was praying and praying and praying. He didn't believe in Jesus. He had faith, what they call faith towards God. That's what Abraham had. That's what Rahab the harlot had. And they wrote her down in Hebrews chapter 11. In the record of those who had exploit of faith. She was a Gentile entirely. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Gentiles, your boss at work has faith. If you're not careful, he might have it more than you. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not that they don't have faith. It's just that what Christianity brings is faith in the Lord Jesus. It's, it's, it's the same faith that men have, but rather they began to have it in Jesus. That's the key. The first time a person has faith in Jesus, they get born again. That's what makes it so you're born again. Some of them, you can have faith toward God. Ah, I believe God, but God could do this, he could do that, and, and they believe in God. That thing works at a level. They can for business, everything, but not in Jesus. But when they can have faith, and have to have faith in Jesus, there are things you must believe concerning Jesus. Right? Which is that Jesus, right, in Romans 10, explain what, what, when you say faith in the Lord Jesus, there are specific things. The, the first beginning thing, because if you don't believe that God raised him from the dead, that person you have faith in is not Jesus. Right? Because no person today can have faith in Jesus. Because Jesus is not still in the middle, he's walking around. And then you will believe that maybe somewhere, one day you can get his number and call him, and he can do some things for you. You know what I mean? So anybody who has faith in Jesus today, 
It means you have, you have faith that right now, he ever lived right now, right now. And he's somewhere right now. You cannot believe that unless you believe he was raised from the dead. You must believe that he lived. So, some, anybody who believes in Jesus today, by virtue of that, means they must believe that there was a man who walked Nazareth 2,000 years ago, but right now was raised from the dead, and right now is somewhere in heaven. And that man can do things for me. Do you see that? That's Romans chapter 10. So if you believe that, not just believe him, but you also you, you confess with your mouth his lordship. That's the other aspect that makes a person born again. Uh-huh. So when they are now a Christian, things haven't changed. It's still their faith that they have. It's, what faith? It's called the faith of the natural man. The faith of the natural man. The same faith he had, he just now uses it. He's been using it to believe other things before. To believe that that deal will click. In the, are we not believers confessing things before? They write it. They call it law of attraction. They just say it. And you, you, think, that, you think it doesn't work? You think, why are they all doing it? You need to meet guys who do that thing. It's a law. They just found it. You, you can argue all you want. Some guys are arguing with them. They are getting the thing they want. It's it. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? But, but it's the same fate of the natural man, having it in Jesus. Praise God. Now, the difference between someone like that and a Levite is that a Levite, what makes you Levitical is change of fate. Do you understand what I mean? Change of what? Of fate. What is that now? What fate is now beginning to use the fate of another kind of man. The fate of another man. Another kind of man, not your own fate. The fate of another man. That's what Jesus spoke to Paul in Acts chapter 26. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 26. We'll come back. Let's quickly read it. In Acts chapter 26, um, from verse 14, so that when we're all fallen, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew tongue that Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. Now, of course, what had he seen? He has seen something, and there are other things for which he said, I will appear unto thee. What, what are the things which he has seen? What he had seen at that time was he had seen Jesus. At this point, Paul hadn't seen Christ. Right? What is Christ? Christ is a nature in Jesus. Right? But at this point, he has seen Jesus. So when he, he saw Jesus, he had seen enough to get him born again. So there is no way, as soon as he saw Jesus and recognized him, two things happened here. He recognized this man has been raised from the dead. So he believed that God, when he saw him, ah, really, you are resurrected. When that, that 
Belief entered his heart. Coupled with him calling him Lord. Who art thou, Lord? As soon as he called him, means to call him Lord, you accepted, this is a Lord to me. This, this man I'm looking at right now is a Lord to me. When he did that, that was the moment that he got born again. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, so Jesus saying, I'm going to make you a minister. First of that which you have seen, means you will also be a minister of the new birth. So you saw Paul had that allocation in his ministry. Means when they sent him to Gentile nation, of course, before you can you teach them Christ, they must get born again. So Paul had evangelistic ministry. He had apostolic ministry. Paul had prophetic ministry. Paul had teaching ministry. Paul also had pastoral ministry. Praise the Lord. Now, so that, this first side of Paul, so he, be, he was a minister of the first which he has seen, which is getting born again. But he now says, and of those things which I will appear unto thee, means Jesus said, I will also appear later. When I'm appearing later, I'm to come, I want to bring another side of me, not that which you have just seen, but there are other things concerning me. There is actually an allocation of a life inside of me that you have not yet seen yet by this appearance. You just saw this Jesus of Nazareth who died, who has now become both Lord and Christ. Now, the Christos of him is still hidden inside. He didn't show it to Paul on the way of Damascus. Right? So, but he said, I will appear unto thee later. When I'm appearing to you later, right, it's another season. Now, you've seen something. But later, I have to come to open what? Now, he's talking about it in terms of ministry. Everything he's telling to Paul here will already happen to Paul. So, you can look at it. God, Jesus is saying, what will happen to you which you will minister? Are you seeing that? Uh-huh. So, verse 10, to open their eyes, that's the first thing, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of what? Satan unto God that they may receive what? Forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Praise the Lord. So he's introducing here the concept of another kind of faith, which is what he calls the faith what? that is in me. The faith that is in me is what we call the faith of the Son. This is the same faith in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, that Paul, the same Paul, was now, taught, was now explaining concerning. Praise the Lord. In Galatians 2, verse 20, he said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Not talking about this Jesus now, just the Jesus man. He's talking about the inward nature which Jesus carried, which Jesus said, I will come and reveal to you and show unto you later. Are you seeing? Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So you're seeing, I'm living it a life. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. So Christ living in a man a man in whom Christ is living in is a man who is living by the faith of the Son of God, who has graduated from his natural faith.
to begin to live the faith by the faith of the Son of God. These faiths are not two. Sorry, they are not the same. These are two different faiths. Are you seeing the difference? Are you seeing that a Christian born again is living by one faith? Another one who has gained access into the kingdom is living by another faith. They are both Christians, but two different faiths. So a Christian who is not yet, who hasn't yet received the word of Christ, that Christian is born again in his spirit man, but in his soul, he's still using the same faith of his, the natural man. He is not yet using the faith of his spirit man. Because his spirit man is Christ. Do you, are you seeing that? So a Christian, there's, a, there's a, a difference of faith. The spirit man is Christ, but the soul is still using the faith of the natural man. But the, a time when a person comes, measure the first level of attainment in the kingdom, which is separation, is signified by you now begin to use the faith of your spirit. When you check your spirit man, your spirit man doesn't have life of what I will eat and what I will wear and all those things. The faith inside the spirit man doesn't talk about those things. I just get what I'm saying. The faith is, is a faith. Every faith has its concern. Are you seeing that? Every faith has what? Uh -huh. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Things hoped for. This faith for this kind of things hoped for. And the evidence of this kind of things that are not seen. This other faith for this kind of things hoped for and this kind of things not seen. Two different kind of things. Two different kind of faith. Do you see that? So, the faith of the natural man is a faith that can... This is the faith for... You can call it natural things hoped for. And natural things. You know there are natural things not, yet, not seen, too. And when you move into the natural, right, you see, you see that there are still things not seen in the natural. All the faith exploits, the faith of baby Christians... Is for th is things that are not yet seen to bring them to pass from the spirit. A natural man can bring a house out of the invisible. You don't believe that can happen? <laughs> eh? You don't believe? Ah, you believe? Who else does not believe what I'm saying? You, yes, you don't think it can happen? Ah, it has happened, no. it has happened man. Natural faith. That's when you realize that this world is not really what it is. The world can do yangas, there are laws, that this thing can happen, this can, you must go through this process. It's a lie. Let faith jam it. When faith jams natural, laws begin to break. Things begin to happen. Yeah. 
They say, ah, well, it's a cancerous cell. The cell, you know, cancer, there's a way. Well, why is it, what happened? How did it get there? We don't know, but you see, there's just a, the chemo and everything. They would speak grammar and grammar. When faith jams cancer, and this is not some, these raw cells in the body. When faith jams it, what happened? They'll say, well, they didn't see the cancer again. They don't know where it went to. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Hey, hey. The same faith that can make someone that doesn't hand, have hand hand can grow out of, the, of there. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah, so but that, that's still natural things. Cancer, hand, all of those things, they are still natural things. Money, house, car. Things hoped for, things not seen. Faith will substantiate them. That is the faith of the natural man. That's just it. But then the other faith, which is the faith of the spiritual man, is faith for another kind of things. Other kind of things. In this soul, there is no charity. How can we bring charity inside the soul? Faith of the natural man cannot do. You say, charity, what is charity? What is charity? <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? <laughs> the faith of the natural man cannot produce that, that thing. Because what you call charity, charity is the is love of Christ. It's a nature in Christ. Charity is a thing in the spirit. It is a thing where? In the spirit. It is a thing in the spirit. Charity is a thing in the spirit. Is a possession. The way in, you say, so, ah, this guy is poor, he doesn't have money. Hey, in the street they can cry, hey, this guy is poor, he has no charity. Oh, kindness, ah, it's not there. Godliness, hey, brotherly kindness, hey, what a wretched soul, hey. Angels can look at some guys and be crying. Hey, Jehovah, this is your son. When will this wretchedness end? And the guy wears Agbada 1,500 in the natural. Houses, car, money, everywhere. And you get what I mean? But in the, in the spirit, they are, what? They are, they are weeping for his wretchedness. Kai cha cha Can a soul be this poor? Why? Because he lacks the faith that can substantiate those things. His own faith, faith doesn't cross walls in terms of the realms of things, kind, or let me not, not walls, let me put it this way. Faith, does, faith doesn't cross, does not cross the boundaries of creation, of, of creature. Faith cannot cross the boundary of creature. The faith of the natural man, which is a kind of the, a creature, the first kind of man God created, when you, it cannot stretch into the, the wall of the new creation and pick things from there. It cannot. There's, there are things you can never put inside somebody, Christian, if you, they don't have the means of transmitting the faith for those things into their heart. So, the gospel, you need to be able to bring the news of that faith. 
the gospel of Christ. That's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed. That word, I'm not ashamed, means that, it means that, why can't I afford to be ashamed of it? Because if we shut down this thing, there's no other means of it. That I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel means the good news, the preaching, the good news, the good news, the news, the news. What is the news? News is for the transfer of faith, for the giving of faith. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God unto what? Salvation. Power means the ability. Enablement. Unto the Jews and unto the Greek for, for daring is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. So it means that we're revealing righteousness, righteous, righteousness, righteousness. So righteousnesses of God are the materials of the new creation. And it comes from faith to faith. As it is written that the just shall what? Live. It means the just has his life by faith. The life of the natural man is sustained by his natural faith. So must the life of the spiritual man be sustained by what? His spiritual faith. Are you seeing what I'm trying to say to you? So you see that thing what they call separation? Come out from among them, be separate. It's a gulf. So what I say, when I say I can tell a separated person, I mean I can tell when somebody has changed faith. And the, the purpose of the preaching of Christ is to make men change faith. Can you exchange your natural faith for this a spiritual one? You see that? To exchange, so when you are exchanging your faith, you are exchanging, you are exchanging things hoped for. Or things sought for. What the soul is seeking is changing by change of faith. So what Paul was saying here, praise God, let's read it again very quickly, Acts 26 from verse 1. It says, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. So it's from the power of Satan unto the power of God. And the power of God is the gospel of Christ, according to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the of the. Gospel, because the power of God unto what? Salvation. Amen. So the power, to, the power of God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and then an inheritance among them that are sanctified by what? Faith that is in me. Say faith that is in me. This faith that is in me is what Paul calls the faith of the Son in Galatians 2.20. I live by the faith of the what? Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. It's what they call the faith of God's elect. It's also what they call like precious faith, Peter. Like precious faith. It's not just the faith of the natural man. That's, so that's the faith. Now, when someone says faith to you, you know what faith means. Faith is not just I believe. Faith is tied to a nature. Each kind of creation, of creature, has its own kind of faith. Each kind of creature has what? Its own what? Kind of faith. Praise the Lord. Aha. Uh -huh. So you, you, you see why. Um, so, but that faith is in levels. Right? The faith of Christ. The first thing the faith of Christ will do is bring forth a kind of separation. 
which will produce the Levitical life. But that faith of Christ, the main point where that faith begins to really count is when the faith has given a person an inheritance. Now, the difference between a Levite and a priest is that the, is their inheritances. Their inheritances is different. The inheritance, the, the Levite does not yet have inheritance among them that are sanctified. He doesn't yet have the inheritance of sanctification. Praise God. Do you get what I'm trying to say? The Levite doesn't have what? The inheritance of what? Of sanctification. So it means that the Levite still has things which he touches. Right? It's because he's not a sanctified soul. He's not a sanctified soul, so he can still touch on clean things. Now, a soul that still touches on clean things still has the, he still has in him the servo for the things which the Gentile transact in. Even though he has switched fate, but the faith has not yet given him an inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith that is in me. So it's very clear that the, the inheritances which count in the spirit is inheritance in sanctification. What is inheritance? Inheritance is talking about what a soul has taken as possession. Right? The soul ought to own sanctification as what? A possession. It's the ownership of sanctification as a possession that would be the defense in the soul when the conversation of Gentiles begin to arrive to tempt the soul. Amen. There are some of us that because of your separation, you are, you are not, you're not, you don't face certain temptations because of your separation. You don't, and when I say face, I mean you're not, you're not um, constantly exposed to certain kind of temptation. The same way the Levites are. Because of their separation, they are not constantly worrying with the environment of, of Gentiles. Now, but that separation is to help them buy some time to quickly move into sanctification. Because the Gentile conversation is coming. Where is it coming to? It's coming into the temple. It means that there will be a version of Gentile conversation that can talk to, to Levites. So the fact that you are still around the, the tabernacle as a separated fellow doesn't mean that if you stay there without coming into inheritance, that you'll be there forever. Because there will be a time where the conversation of the world will arise to meet your separation. And if you have no inheritance in the house, what will happen? 
after a while, you see how much is that in self? Is there any way that we can do a very quick something here? Can we, can we exchange some things? Exchange will happen. Praise God. One of the things you will see is, and in the world is that the world has, is beginning to, to master, to, to master, there is, you know, worldliness is the spirit of the world. She has halots. There are different halots in the world. But there is a strain of worldliness that is, is a department in worldliness that specializes on the church. Mm-hmm. That's the part I'm preaching against today. You understand? I'm not talking about the world, the worldliness that's out there. Of course, in the world, iniquity will abound among Gentiles. It will continue. I'm talking about the strain of worldliness that is customized for church people. Not just church people. There is also department in department that is specialized worldliness for people who are around the temple and around the tabernacle. Souls who are separated, there is a charge of the world towards them. There is a work of worldliness against your separation. That if you don't move, advance from just being separate to relinquish all the uncleanness, all the unclean things, the corruptible things you still like, drop them. If you are still holding love for corruptible things, one day somebody will bring that thing to you. And you will sell your soul to get it. Do you, do you get what I'm trying to say? That's the thing with corruption. Don't, it's not every corruption that you have that you are using now. It's not every corruption that is in you that has the opportunity to manifest. It's not everything. There are, some, there are secret loves that you have that because of the separation you've measured, you can't transact in them. You get what I'm saying? Your soul is not positioned to transact in those things now. But if you keep the love still, if you still love them, you don't deal with the love, those unclean things. When, I, when I'm talking of love, what am I talking about? I'm talking about things you secretly love that you refuse to give up. Do you know what I mean? They're just there. You're not doing You know, you check it from afar. You can almost perceive, you know that you know lost is like a lost is a lost is like a hologram. Is it a hologram? What do they call it? <laughs> what is hologram? It's hologram. Huh? Something that's there, it's not there. You are, somebody else that's somewhere in his house can be talking to you, he will just appear like he's there. <laughs> that's how lost. Lost is lost is lost can give you animation. And imagery. So you, so you, you can see a Levi sitting by the altar with his head like this. But there's still something inside he's thinking of. It, it can, he has a holographic image of the, what's happening in the marketplace. Hey, they say, hey, Habakkuk, it's time to, to raise the leg of the, of the thing, the sacrifice. Ah, okay, okay, let's go. But, it was just lost in thought a little bit. They separated him, but they have not yet sanctified him. Some of us are like that. 
One day, the sellers of those things he has been fantasizing about still, that he used to let go, one day they will come to the gate of the, of the temple. They were, we have things to sell. Oh. Now, are you seeing, when they say this is Gentile, you're seeing the explanation of that revelation. Chapter, chapter 11. Are you seeing that? But the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. And I will give power unto my two witnesses. That this is where we get, we're getting to now. Concerning the witnesses that are within. Amen. And they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the word, the God of the word earth. Now verse 5, if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their word, enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be what? Killed. So these two witnesses who would prophesy, their prophecy is the defense. Praise God. You've seen that they are linking their prophecy to some, side, some sort of military, militaristic kind of operation, which they would do, which is a defensive position against anything that wants to hurt them. Let's read it again. I will give power to my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth, right? And these are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. This word before the God here is not just in his presence now. What is in his presence? Before means they are standing in front, the realm before him. Mm-hmm. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceeded out of their mouth and devoured their enemies. And if anyone will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. So these, uh, these two witnesses are witnesses that will encroach. And to paint it to you, these witnesses are the beings that the Gentiles, Gentiles, they encroach into the, the city and the, and the court. And when they went to move further, they saw two, two beings there that they couldn't what. They couldn't move past. So, the, so the, these two beings are the defender of the sanctified life. Yes, sir. Yes. Uh-huh. That's the purpose of this chapter. Yes, to show you another defense. Yes, sir. They are showing you the safety, the 
the, the being, the operators of the safety, which the Levite should have run into. Are you getting what I'm saying? They're talking about these beings, are talking about these two um, witnesses, are the, they are the defenders of sanctification. Like I said before, when a soul has become sanctified, you come into another level of defense. And these two witnesses are, tell, are talking about, they're telling you, this is the defense that a man who has inheritance in sanctification has on the inside of them. So, so when, when these witnesses are, are inside a man, now of course the Levi doesn't have them. The Levi doesn't have them, but the priest have them. A high priest has them. So, this is talking about the witness which a priest has that anybody who is not a priest does not have. It's the knowledge, it's the priestly knowledge. The word witness is, is talking about the things which a priest has seen that can make him never trade with a Gentile. What does a priest know? The knowledge in, him, in the book of, of Malachi, it says, A priest's lips shall keep knowledge. They shall, they shall seek the law at his mouth. Then they say, With him, who spoke about Levi, right? That I've given to him the covenant of what? Life and peace. Not just the covenant of life, but what? The covenant of what? Of peace. The covenant of peace is the covenant of sanctification. That is to sanctify a soul until the soul has come into what? Peace with God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, these two witnesses, say two witnesses. Uh-huh. These two witnesses, all we are talking about. When we are talking about laws in a person's heart. Put a law in their mind and write it on their heart. Then no one shall say unto his neighbor, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them toward the greatest of them. So he's talking about the knowledge that is an inheritance. It's beyond just Levitical knowledge. Someone still needs to tell the Levite, Know the Lord. When his mind is wandering to his, towards the lust, that the uncleanness that he still has on the inside. When you say, say a Levite still touches the unclean thing, it doesn't mean that he's going to the marketplace. He can bring it out of his soul and touch it and play with it and, and put it back. That, and every time he, he, bring, he touches it and plays with it, that thing, he's pouring more life into it and he will store it back. The hidden lust of men that can be hidden, it can be there for a long time. It's just inside. Because the soul never let it go. Do you get what I'm saying? So it doesn't, so somebody, someone still has to tell now. When a soul who still needs to be told to know the Lord has not yet come into or the knowledge of the Lord as an inheritance. Because it's not his inheritance, means that someone has to remind him of it. It is not his natural positioning. The state, a, a being of knowledge is a standing in the spirit. 
Like a priest, a priest is a, is a, a priest is a standing in the spirit. A priest is somebody who is standing upon the knowledge of sanctification. The, 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 the position of a priest in the spirit is a position that can never be shifted based on uncleanness. It would take higher things to shift a priest out of his standing. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Standing in the spirit is knowledge. To stand, to stand means that your feet has been buried in a position. What established the person in that position within the house of God is what? Is the knowledge of God. Or it's called priestly what? Priestly knowledge. Uh-huh. Praise God. Now, so you see this, what you call the two witnesses here. The two witnesses, what are they witnessing concerning? The two witnesses, what they are witnessing concerning is, is the witness of all that is written against things that are written against the perishing life of men. Writings. Their agreement. Right? What makes a priest immovable, incorruptible, by the Gentile life is because of all the agreement that he has made concerning the life of corruption. We will never touch this. We can never touch this. We can never be moved by this. This meaneth nothing. This is, this is below our us. This is beneath our calling. This is below the, our profession. No, this even amounts to nothing. This one is vanity. This plus that plus that equal to that. Are you seeing the, mat- the mathematics of a priest? When you open a priest, that's what is inside of him. The same thing which the, the, the Levite can still be cherishing on the inside. Ah, secret. Lost for something. To a priest, a priest is a sworn enemy of corruption. He's a sworn enemy of, of unclean. You cannot fake that thing. Though. You can't fake it. If you try to fake it by face... No, you know that face faking. <laughs> what? The hologram. <laughs> it's not by face. It's not by power. It's not by acting it out. You must have made agreement. We, on Wednesday, we talked about the agreement-making process in detail. I used to see those things that we talked about on Wednesday. A priest did those things in the, in the realm of the revelation of, of, of sanctification. I mean that a priest had time where he, he had the doctrine of sanctification. Then he had to subject himself to the reproof and the correction of it by meekness. That's what we learned, right? Yes, then when he, he won the meekness battle, which, which is not to correct the doctrine, but allow the doctrine to reprove him and to correct him, then the doctrine started instructing him in righteousness. As the doctrine is entrust, instructing the priest in righteousness, the priest begins to do the instruction. So the priest is making covenant. 
the, the, the making of covenant in the heart is the rising of witness. What was witness? The witness are the prophet within the heart. The prophet within a man's heart. Hey, Jesus, Jesus. All the things that makes a priest holy, they're not, it's not just, when you, say, when you see a New Testament priest, a, a, a priestly man of the New Testament, who is not moved by vanity, who, is, who has no, who, there's nothing vain on the earth. No matter how, how you, know, you know, vanity, like I was talking about, I, I was talking about worldliness, customized for church people and for tabernacle people, dwellers, is different. The lost can be different. Is different. A worldly unbeliever who goes to club and drink beer, you cannot tempt them with the lust for ministry. They have no taste for it at all. They are dead to eat. But a Levite can be tempted by the glory of a priest. We just be watching him from the corner of his eye. You're watching him going inside and coming out, and going inside and coming out. Just be looking at him. You know, you know, crossing that veil is a glory. Not anybody crosses that veil. And a Levite, all their life, they've never experienced crossing that veil. Hey, if a man cross that thing, what thing go see? What is inside that place? Kai, kai, kai. Just be wondering. And, and the priests, they don't make ceremony of it. They just go, just come. Why is the wave of it? They just wave it. And you know, the, all the things the priests need to do. They would do the without things and then just go, oh, I'll see you guys later. Just go back inside. And the Levite is, if the Levite is not careful, what can happen? The glory of it, can, he can lost over it. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So all the things, the things that need to be inside the heart of a priest that makes a priest stand in the face of, corrupt, of corruption and temptation for all, see, all the glories of this world, the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, then the pride of life, the pride of life. How many souls can resist the pride of life? To resist the pride of life. Hey, pride. What is pride of life? That which... Promise you elevation in life. That will promise you, you know, a lot of things men seek after. That pride is there. You can't really trace it. But some, a lot of times it's that elevation which you will get. And what the person is doing, you might just see it as a surface thing. Ah, they are doing this thing. But he himself knows what he's seeing. He's seeing the elevation which that thing will bring. Say pride of life. What is in a priest that can make him stand against the pride of life? It's not just ordinary. As he's looking at that pride, there are things inside him prophesying. The heart of a priest is not silent. You see how the world talks, seduces. Ah, we'll make you this, you'll be this. 
inside, when you can hear, they open your ear to hear what is sounding inside the priest. You hear the terrible voice of prophet prophesying the covenant, prophesying the law. They are talking about the unrighteousness of worldly glory. While ordinary men are looking at them, ah, I can be like that. Well, I can get to this place. Inside the priest, what happened? The prophet in him is prophesying the hatred, the stinkiness, the dirtiness, the worthlessness of such a glory. Say witness. witness. So witness. The testimony inside man is living. Is the living testimony. When he says, this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel in that day. I will put my laws in their mind. And I will write it. Why you will write it upon the heart is so. What, whatever they write in the heart is for, so that it can speak, talk. The, the prophecy of those, of, the, of those witnesses, which is the prophecy that's occurring in the heart of a priest, is not from his mind. It's not just mind, mind conversation can't overcome lust. You know, do you know the power of lust? Promises, like they took Jesus high to the very high mountain, showed him all the kingdom of this world. Can your a thought overcome that? The kingdoms of the world and their glory. Hey, when they bring that thing, every thought of all the scripture you know will go. <laughs> that, it is written that Jesus said, didn't come from his mind though. The glory can knock off, you forget scripture, you forget everything. You would have gone so far, you would have signed records, signed agreement, signed contract, done everything before you even come and realize, ah, What happened? You would have signed contracts. You would have done things before you realize. But, but, but Jesus said, but it is written. For Jesus to say, it's not a simple thing to look at that thing and say it is written. No? So it was written. In him. That was not just quoting scripture. Let him take you to that situation and show you that thing. And you tr- quote scripture. You might quote scripture. But after quoting scripture. <laughs> what? It can be unwritten. <laughs> Say witness. God. Only God shall you serve. What was the scripture he quoted? When Satan said he should bow down and worship him. You know, that was the end of the way everything was leading to. Worship me. Come on, come on. Worship, worship, bow. Worship, bow. Worship, bow. These things are great. Aren't they great? Aren't they great? That's how the seduction happened. Can come to it. After all his preaching. But these things aren't they great? I understand your revelation, your scripture is sweet, Holy Ghost, everything, but look at this thing. What if we add some glory on top of you? Isn't that great? 
Some of us are young. We've not started being tempted by glories yet because we are still very young. We've not been exposed to a lot in the world yet. From the age of 30, that's really the age where the soul is mature enough to start thinking of glories. Around that age. So before a soul gets to around that age, when you talk about glory, you say, no, what do you mean? So to serve God and all that, you know, praise God. Young soul. You say, say young soul. When you are younger, you feel like, you will be wondering, why do people, when you hear stories of people who give up God for things, what is wrong with them? Hmm? But when you're young, you are idealistic. You are, a lot of those things is not because you are spiritual. It's just you're youthful. Because you have found a cause. Gospel. We're going to take this gospel to the end of the earth. We are going to. We are going to finish it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm thinking of my mind when I was young, younger. Because a young person thinks they haven't popped out some other a young person doesn't have too many angles of consideration. So once he locks onto a teen, you phrase one time you start getting to a certain age. Hey. That's why they say nobody should be a priest until he's 30. They can't trust you. Maybe when you are 20, they bring you like that. By the time you start getting to 30, man, some other concerns they about life. Oh. There are other things to consider. <laughs> when it's 30, so the guy will be here to say, okay, can we consider... Uh, 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 what about... Um, can we just slow this matter down a little bit? Hey, say age. Age. So, so... Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So just natural um, zeal, praise God, alone is not enough, right, to shield a soul from corruption, from that which is unclean. That which, you see, that, testim- that um, temptation of Jesus was a temptation of worship, right? Worship, worship me, bow down and worship me. Worship me. Worship me. It means subvert and pervert. Jesus was already a priest, right? At that age, Jesus has finished Levitical school. He has also he has finished priestly school. And he has graduated into high priestly school. Right? Because Jesus was in the school of everlasting life at that time. So, Jesus has already... He had already had the installation of witnesses on the inside. So you understand what I mean? These witnesses, who they are. <laughs> so the witnesses, these witnesses are, they prophesy against things that want to hurt the covenant, the agreement of sanctification and holiness. Praise God. If any man will hurt them, fire proceeded out of their mouth and devoured their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner 
be killed. Then verse 6, it says, These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. So it's very clear that these two witnesses are speaking concerning their... The witness is two, are two angles, two angles, or two, two fashion, through two, two fashions, by which the covenant of God travels and gets installed in men, and they are twin operations. Praise God. The two, they are talking about the two sides. Like, like the covenant had two tablets to it. Hmm? Witness. When you say witness, say witness. witness. Witness, witness. Thank you, Jesus. I believe this kind of message, everybody can be blessed by this kind of message, right? Even though we are reading Revelation. You know, sometimes when you read Revelation, some people feel that some has mind shut down. They say, ah, he has gone there, therefore it's not our message. It's for the mature ones. So they say, when you open John, Matthew, uh-huh, they pre- this is our message. <laughs> There are some souls who read messages that way. Open to Revelation. Next, click. Praise <laughs> God. Amen. But I, I mean, true Revelation, I, I believe I have taught milk of the word a little. I have taught Christ a little. And I'm still teaching Christ to a degree. Right now, is that is that okay? Praise God. So, this witness. When you say witness, witness, at the mouth of two witnesses, every word is confirmed. God's design of witness is twofold. That's God's design of witness. Any, any witness, anything, the witness somebody has that doesn't have the complement in terms of how that witness is formed, if it doesn't have the complement, it's not, it's not accurate. It will not, it will not be a full, a solid defense. It's like having one side of the tablet of the stone and not having the other side. It's not a, it's not, the witness is not complete. Now, when he talks about witness, to, what they want to do is they want to frame witness. It's what is framed in the priest that keeps him from touching the unclean thing is witness inside of him. It's a framing. They frame that thing called witness. It's complete on the inside. And so this chapter is giving you a sense of what, what makes up witness in New Testament. 
what makes up witness are two kinds. There is the law side, the legal side of witness. There is the prophetic side of witness. The legal side and the word prophetic side. Devil is smart. Devil can make his soul prosper in the legal side, but doesn't he have the prophetic side of witness? Another soul can prosper in the prophetic side, but not have the legal side of witness. What makes up witness in the Bible is the law and the prophets. The law and the prophet. That's the accuracy. That was the that is the that is, that was this, that was how Jesus grew up. That's that's how Jesus came to know what was written concerning him. The law and the prophet are the two schools of the two schools of the of the covenant, the two schools of the testament, the law and what and the prophet, the law and the prophet, the law is now the law and the prophet is the same thing. Is the same thing, but they have different way of traveling. The same thing, but they have what? Different what? Different way of traveling. Different way. Same thing, but different way of traveling. Or another way for different way of traveling. They have, they are different, they are different framework of integrity. And, do, and both must complement each other. So if a soul is developed legalistically, for the, I don't know if that's the word, <laughs> but is not developed prophetically, the witness in them will not be true. Aha. Uh-huh. It will not be true. There will be something wrong. If a soul is raised prophetically, but it's not, doesn't have the, the accuracy of the law. That word, that word law means purity. The law is the aspect of witness that a soul can receive straight and fresh. Straight and what? Fresh. Straight and fresh from God or from the Spirit of God. Straight and fresh from God, from the Spirit of God. But the, 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 the law, you know, in, in the book of, praise God, in the book of Hebrews chapter 8, he said, I'll put my law in their mind. I will then put the same law in their heart. See, so he's using law. He didn't say I will put my law and prophet in their mind and they put their law and prophet. No. So it's all law. It's all law. But when it comes to giving of the law, the law has to be given as a law and as a prophecy. Or it has to be given legalistically as in terms of legally. Uh-huh. And then prophetically, prophetically. Praise God. We'll explain. We'll explain a bit. I'll explain more. We'll explain more. Praise God. Does anybody catch at all where I'm getting at? You, you understand it. 
kind of, kind of, okay. Praise God, the war has begun right now. <laughs> which war? Can you tell me which war we are fighting? Eh? <laughs> Thai war. We always get to this war. It's never, the day I will just end. See, in Jesus' name, I look at the term and smile. You have enough time to go. You, praise God. Amen. But thank God. Praise the Lord. Amen. So this thing about the, the law and prophet, how witness sits within the heart, is a sense that is actually a priestly sense. But it's a sense that every soul who wants to go far in God must understand. This is what makes you it's what makes you it's what makes you safe in your journey to God. Is the balances. This is what made Jesus accurate. What he was standing on. Two things. He mastered them. So he, Jesus was a, was a student of, of Moses' delivery of the law and the prophet's delivery of the law. Is this is the law? The, it's still the same law, <laughs> but it has two sides to it. Mm-hmm. When you are reading Moses, when you read the, the law of Moses, you are reading things that God said, and when you are reading that, you read it, and you have you have to take spiritual interpretation directly, fresh from the spirit, from the very words to give them directly to the heart. But when you finish that school, you won't, you won't really get the same. If you go and start taking that thing, you, you got fresh like that. You won't, you'll be making serious mistakes. Why? Because you have a limitation. What's your limitation? You are a man. There is a way, the same thing that is breathed directly from the law must also come to you. But it has to travel through prophetic means. How does, how does prophecy travel? Prophecy travel heart to heart to heart to heart to heart to heart. To heart to heart. Prophecy is not, prophecy is not book talking to a heart or stone talking to a heart. Prophecy is a heart talking to a heart. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's the difference, difference between the, the priest or Moses and co. in the tabernacle versus Isaiah or Elijah and the other prophet. Moses can come and read of the book. And say, this is what God's law. Thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt. And then he will talk and say everything. Amen. Now, if someone just goes with thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt, they've heard the thou shalt. But when it comes to, when lost begin to call, it's hard for you to use thou shalt alone to overcome lost. Because when lost start talking, hey, love, lost doesn't sound like thou shalt. Love sounds like a life you can live. <laughs> so, a people who know the law because they've been hearing it from the, the, the being read constantly. After a while, 
it will be a time to now send a prophet among them. So a prophet does not stand in the tabernacle and read thou shall. He goes among the people where they are doing their life. You get the concept of prophecy. The prophet is not, what a prophet is carrying is not thou shall. A prophet is carrying the spirit from where that wrote thou shall. That thou shall came from. Is the same spirit, but it can manifest that spirit through different things. It can talk to you through, through, through your life. What is happening in your life, the same spirit of that thou shalt can raise a message. Are you getting what I'm saying? Praise God. So it's very, it's very clear that when you say the law, the giving of the law, the giving of the law, and then the giving and the prophetic ministration. So the prophetic ministration is the giving of the, the spirit of the law through a prophetic means. The way a prophet minister, now listen, what is New Testament prophetic? A New Testament prophet is somebody who leaves out what the law has said. That is just a simple definition. Mm -hmm. Right? So you can read the book from men. From, you can read, sorry, law from the book. You cannot really read prophecy from the book. Prophecy must be sent and signified. Like the book of Revelation. Who sent it and signified it by his servant John? Is to receive, get to other guys. So you cannot read, you can read the law from the book. You cannot read prophecy from the book. You must read prophecy from a man. Right? A prophecy, a prophet is he who is being able to do what the law has said. If you read just all the law has said alone, there's no guarantee that you will ever do it. But, what, but having it and then reading a man who is doing what the law has said, there's something that that thing adds to your knowledge of the law. That's what makes witness in you. This is what makes God's covenant not hang up there. Unlivable unrelatable, unusable. You can preach it, you can say it, but you can't, because you, someone can, might lack the, that other aspect. Uh -huh. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes, 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 yes. So this is how they build witness in a person. There's sometimes I want to check inside you. I, I don't only want to check what you read from the Bible and what the Holy Spirit saw. There are times I want to check what you read from others. If I don't see too much of that, I'm afraid of you. I, don't, I can never trust your witness. I'm sorry. When Jesus was to come, they had to send the prophet to witness concerning him. Thank God it's been, it's been written in the Bible, oh, the prophesied it, oh, we can read it from the law. Oh, men need another man to say. They need another man to come and Talk concerning him. 
And he, when he came, he said, I bear witness. I am not that light, but I came to bear witness of the light. It means that, that for that light to shine, witness ought to be born of him. This scripture is showing us things. Let me tell you a secret. Let me tell you a secret. When you read the Bible, you get a revelation. But you don't know how to do that revelation. You have the right to pray, God, send me a person who is doing this thing. What was the main problem of the Pharisees? Read Bible, read Bible, read, read, read law, read prophet, read, 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 read. They knew everything. Jesus said, look, you search the scripture with them, you think you have life, but I am here of who they're talking about. You receive not my witness. It means you don't, you don't like seeing it in a man. You like the pride of reading it by yourself. You love that pride. Said, Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, you who kill your prophets and stone those who are sent unto you. You will see no more of me until you learn to say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. That's one of us, what we need to learn to say. It's not, ah, mighty man of God. No, no. It could be your roommate. You want to look at your roommate and say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Look at your brother, your friend, and say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. You should have the ability to have such moment. When this is the prophecy to me. This is the witness. You see the witness that they has sent to you at that time. This thing is the mystery of the church. The church is a body of witness. Right? The church is a ground of truth. Right? So about the cloud of witnesses. Are you seeing it's a ground of truth and it's a ground of people. The concept of the body being that which every joint supply. Not, not everything, every aspect is supplying its own thing. There's something, the heart can't say, no, I only care, Just see this bloodstream from the heart, that's all I need. No, 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 no. There are other organs. You see that blood that you are, you are, you are, the heart is enjoying, the kidney is filtering it. Means it passes through the what kidney. It removes things from it. All kinds of systems that I get. On, that's the body for you. That is the prophetic design for the for the preservation and the accuracy of witness. What I'm trying to communicate today is a deep sense, but is a scriptural sense. When it was time, God first spoke from heaven concerning Jesus and said, this is my beloved son in whom I well pleased. And he kept going. He got to a point. When he said that in the book in Jordan, at that time, Jesus wasn't fully qualified to be heard by men. It took him to get to the mountain of transfiguration. Moses, the law, Elijah, the prophet, had to come and bear witness. 
Transfiguration Mountain. That's the law and the prophet. It's on top of the mountain that God spoke. It's my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now hear ye him. Means that they should not hear him until the witness concerning him is complete. Those men came to what? Bring about the completeness of the witness. I hope somebody has been blessed by what I just said today. Uh-huh. We don't have time to go too far into it. Father, we thank you. Lord, we give glory to your name. We bless you. We ask, O oh God, that this thing you will interpret the right sense concerning this message. Convict us and convince us deeply concerning your truth. Help us to be a, a robust, fully, soundly built people, Lord, who have your very witness that will stand against every encroachment of darkness and every appeal and allure which the world is bringing to our soul. Thank you, our Father. I pray for every soul that needs healing if of any sort, Father, in regard to this world that has come. I pray, O oh God, that such healing shall be ministered unto their, their soul. And for that, every repair that needs to occur in our heart to align with the pattern, may it be done, may it be fulfilled. Thank you, our Father. We give glory to your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth.